Hey, this is Richard from Augustus Media. Hala Bassam, our presenter at Smashy, uh, who interviewed UOT. She said, Rich, mention Smashy, mention Smashy. So Smashy is our live streaming channel uh, and follow Smashy, Smashy TV or download the app and that's the drop for today. You'll check it out. In some ways, I do feel like you're the man who needs no introduction because I got to know you a few years back. We've had a great friendship and you do a lot of cool stuff, but I think a lot of people don't know the man behind this amazing media group. So Richard Fitzgerald, CEO of Augustus Media, most commonly known for Love in Dubai. <laughs> love in Dubai. Good morning, OT. Thanks for having me on your podcast. And equally, I love what Dukan Media is doing and been a fan for a while. So it's great to sit down finally. I know. Long time coming. And there's so much I want to talk to you about. I don't know what are we going to keep in and take out of this episode, but whatever it is, we'll, we'll try to keep it as exciting and fun for everybody and keep it live. So to, to kind of highlight a few and just, I want to get those out of the way just to give it context, right? So Augustus Media, we are known for love in Dubai, love in Saudi, love in Abu Dhabi, love in Riyadh, all the lovins, right? But also there's a business side to it, which is smashy TV, smashy crypto. What am I missing? Smashy, smashy gaming, smashy sports, smashy green. Yeah, there's a few verticals, <laughs> smashy style, smashy health. Yeah. Right? So, and a lot of content, English and Arabic. And honestly myself included, everybody looks to you guys for the latest updates on what's happening around town, <laughs> cool. which is really, really cool. And that's been the reference point too. Like, yo, I got family visiting. I want to take them out nice somewhere for dinner. And that's probably where I'll go to look for that now. Yeah. You know, so you guys have done a great job in dominating these spaces. So that's congratulations. Good. I hope they had a good dinner. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> they have. Thank good. you. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, a little bit more about you. Um, how did this kick off? Like, Yeah, uh, well, I moved to, it's nearly 2022. So I moved to Dubai in June 2012. I was working at social media kind of mid-level agency in London. And I had an opportunity to run a social media department with an international group here. And uh, I did that for three-ish years, uh, maybe three and a half years. And it evolved. It was very exciting for me because... I didn't know much about the Middle East. I come from Ireland, I lived in London, but I really didn't know much about the Middle East in terms of culture, in terms of countries. And that role uh, was a pan-Arab role. It was with a group who had offices in 12 countries. So I was in and out of, I set up a department in Beirut. I was in and out of there a lot, but I also got to visit every country in the GCC. We, we worked with Zayn in Iraq. We worked in Cairo and everything like that. So that was pretty cool. Uh, fast forward to 2015, uh, a friend of mine had started Love in Dublin and I got in touch with him and I thought it was interesting what was happening on media with the feeds, uh, with social media and everything like that. And we signed a 10-year area developer agreement uh, and we launched Love in Dubai on the 1st of September 2015. Uh, it was listicle era, it was clickbait, it was 
BuzzFeed were the dominant brand. I remember that. It was all that sort of yeah, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And they just listed this week. Uh, but yeah, um, so it was all that sort of stuff. And I was, uh, I had left the global group uh, and I was with a startup and I was kind of like, you know, doing both things and uh, transparently, NOC, all that sort of stuff, but doing both things. And I'd put every penny I had into the business, into Love and Dubai. Hired an expensive journalist from ITP. Really? Yeah, hired a, a junior person as well and, and, you know, did it out of Astrolabs and Cluster R and JLT. Those guys were great. We're still, you know, uh, very grateful for all the kind of partners that we had at the early stage. Um, and, yeah, we were one of the only media companies there. And we wrote down, OT, like I literally wrote down, what's the mission of Augustus Media? Okay. Uh, so it wasn't love in Dubai as the business. It was, it was Augustus, and the mission was to become the new media company of choice in the Middle East mm. uh, w- through data and content. And that really, for me, defined that you know we will never do South Africa, we will never do Singapore, we never do London. We want to do the Middle East. And some of the things that you alluded to at the start in terms of Arabic, like those, those are natural fallouts from that. Not right. for me, because. Uh, my, my Arabic is really, really poor. But, uh, but you know, Saudi then, we were the first foreign-owned media company in Saudi Arabia in 2017. And all those decisions came from that statement uh, that we wrote down, and we haven't changed it. Like, the vision is to establish and maintain a new order, but that's kind of, you know, uh, just to keep us keep us going and, you know, understanding that media is always fragmenting and might need different types of consolidation at different times. Mm-hmm. So, but, but you know, eight months in, uh, or even around Christmas time that year, I was back in Ireland and I knew that I needed to do something. I needed to make a decision. I had to pick one hat because I was MD of a startup and then watching this audience growth, you know, and, you know, the first huge article was 23 reasons why you need to visit Dubai once before you die. That was the very first one. That was the first viral one. Like that was. Did a, you write it, or was that your expensive else, journalist? My expensive <laughs> journalist. Yeah, uh, someone else wrote it. Uh, but yeah, but that was the kind of you know people then were seeing that in their feed and going, not knowing that Love in Dubai was new, but that was the kind of comment that we go when we get around. Oh, I've seen their stuff or something like that. Yeah. But you know, I remember when um, when uh, a royal family member passed away and. We wrote that. And, and, you know, it was very much always sort of local news and lifestyle. So mm-hmm. over the years, when people are trying to say, who are your competitors and where do you fit? Um, for me, we, we kind of let that conversation happen and let people decide for themselves. But we're very clear on what we do. Right. And the entities and the, and the government entities and different people that we work with, we're also very clear on that path that it is local news. So we don't dilute the brand. We don't do love in... Uh, food or whatever and mm. you know as as you know you know you know the universities here the media here are really good and journalists that come out are really good so we, we wanted to be kind of part of that ecosystem and we weren't the first like media has been here prominent for right. 20 30 40 years uh so it's been you know so it's easier to enter a market where there's already a market mm-hmm. and there was a market it was just maybe it wasn't as digital kind of savvy or, I completely agree. I mean, in a lot of ways, it wasn't as digitally savvy, but even the ones that try to play in digital came from old school media and tried to move into new market, uh, which is, you know, be digital media. But you were born into digital media as a business, right? So you guys knew like, okay, this is our space. This is our niche that we want to play in, which I thought was very, very interesting. And you carved the path for yourself 
as you said, there has been a market and there are many players in this space, right? But you guys, to your credit, have done a great job sort of carving this path for yourselves through it. And about that North Star, your your purpose and your mission that you've set, were there any points where you guys felt like, you know, you've deviated from it a little bit and kind of, you know, found your way back? And how did you find your way back to maintain that vision towards this goal that you were headed to? At the early stages, it was, you know, when I... Yes, I mean, in tw summer of 2016, we were a year in and we spent all the money. I think it was about $160,000 that mm -hmm. was all gone. And But that's the last money that's come in. That was it. Okay. Uh, and so we, you know, we started generating branded content advertising by the end of 2016. And then 2017, audience grew, broke even, uh, and then started generating revenue. And, you know, this is 2021, so that's five years from yeah. 2017. 18, 19, 20, 21. I mean, by the time yeah. this releases, it's 2022. 2022. So, so five happy straight new year, years. Everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. And have a little, we've made profits every year, reinvested into the business every year. Um, you know, in the early days, I'd come from a marketing, social media background. So to make, to generate cash for the business, we won a few social media retainers. Mm -hmm. Very early days. Uh, and there's one left, but, but really we want, you know, there, there's a reason why agencies and, Modern media companies are different, but so so there's that, right? So we didn't really deviate for it, but we tried things. Like we still have Odium, our content studio. We tried different things. We don't try a huge amount of things. We always write down what we're not. We're not a we're not a platform. We're not software as a service. We're not a, a podcast network. We mm -hmm. always, we're always trying to find these things, and you know, there's been a lot of uh, analysis on Western media in the last few year or so around SPACs around modern media companies, you know, BuzzFeed Inc, Vox Media, Group 9 Media, and the Bustle Group, and these groups, right? So, you know, when you said people, we started in digital, yes, because the mobile phone, it's multimedia, it's millennial and everything, but it's also text, audio, and video in a digital way, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's a radio station, a TV station, and a newsroom. And that was, that's the challenging part, because there are many things. So... If you're doing all those things, then you really can't do anything else. And yeah. we stayed away from, we didn't, you know, we tried to do media partnerships with events, but we didn't go out and try and do events ourselves. And because it's hard. And if we had done that, it might have stretched us too thin and things like that. Right. And to come back to something you mentioned, Pop9, uh, Group9 Media. That's, I mean, they're all over the news right now. I think you even commented on it recently as well. Yeah. Right. So, can we, can we, I mean, for the average listener, because most people would know the brands might not know the business behind yeah. it. Can you give context to who are they and why are they so relevant to news today? I hope I, hope I get the stats right. But basically, okay. so Group 9 Media is a holding company in New York. Uh, they've got the Thrillist, Now This, Dodo, Seeker. So people will see that text overlay style that AJ Plus did well in this region and everyone yes. does well now. So now this do it really well. I saw one stat this week. So why, why you mentioned they were in the news is that they, there's a merger going on between Vox Media, which is so many brands. They've, they've New York Magazine, but they've also got Recode Media. Like a lot of well-known uh, media personalities in the US are journalists like Ezra Klein, Peter Kafka. They've all worked for Vox Media. Um, and the OT, they're, they're basically, they're not more than, so I think Group 9 is 2016, but Vox Media might be 10, 15 years old. So 
when we talk about media here and in Dubai and the, and the great publishing houses that are here and then internationally, say, The Economist, New York Times, these are 150 year, years old legacy brands. Of course. And when they choose to launch, they choose a medium. They choose their lens, often with a name or whatever, the media, and then they choose the medium. And you, typically, uh, people have a choice. So they can cho choose radio, TV, uh, print. And now you still have a choice. You can have an Instagram account, you can have a blog, you can have a podcast. Right. But, um, so, but, the, but the groups typically in the US, they typically do all three or so together. And, and they do digital, right? So some are better than others, but it's a harder job to make the New York Times as a, a print and digital world and get subscriptions. The, right. gar the Guardian in the UK doesn't do video, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it, it's hard enough to do a digital version of what they've always done well. Yeah. And I think that's super interesting when you think of it that way. But, but yeah, so basically Vox Media is buying, uh, is buying Group 9 Media and yeah. they'll merge all those brands. And even uh, BuzzFeed bought Huffington Post and Complex, which is that sneakers platform as yeah. well. So there's consolidation happening over there yeah. and not as much here. Not yet. I think it's very interesting to see that growth happening and like for us being in this part of the world looking into the various you know players in the media space like that acquisition you just got complex right so for a brand that might have not been necessarily tapped into quote-unquote like sneaker culture or street culture and that hip-hop scene now you've acquired data insights and now you're contributing to that machine right which i think is really really cool to see and do you think you guys will have acquisition plans potentially like is that something are you considering it's it's so interesting i think you know i've been here 10 12 years that and 10 years and i want to run this business uh long term mm. so everything's about what people might see as sort of some viral posts but what I really do is do the foundations, like build those operations, that culture, the employee handbooks, the software. Like I want to scale this. I want to, I want to hire young media personalities across the region. Why do we have the team in Cairo? Why we have we a, a JV in Pakistan? Why are we looking at India, mm -hmm. Sudan? You know, why all these things? Like we've got the team in Cairo. Like we want to build uh, a modern media company. So. It takes time and you need patience. And also, also, I believe in this region. I think it's amazing, on top, sort of amazing place. And I think there's, you know, 22 Arabic speaking countries, three, four, five hundred million people. Huge, right? And digital is still really early here. So when anyone talks about, to me, about investment, they say, we can accelerate growth. And I was, I'm kind of like, no, you can't because I know what the GDP is of each of these countries. And unless you're accelerating the GDP and ex unless you're accelerating, accelerating 5G penetration in Cairo, which you're not, then you're not accelerating my growth with a few million dollars. Exactly. So, so people need to, you need to have expectations around that. And as soon as you take a big check, there's no way out. And that's yeah. why people say they have to consolidate to get big, these companies. But the reason they're consolidating is because there's no way out. Yeah. They took, BuzzFeed took money in 2015 at a 1.7 billion valuation. They had to IPO. They had to. You know, and if you, if you go patient, 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 uh, then you can do different. That's not saying that we are ambitious and we want to grow. So we, we want to look for the right partners. We think it's more of a sort of a private equity route mm -hmm. because we're profitable. We don't think it's a... 
it's a VC sort of round route. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're always looking for the right partners. We're always sort of, um, the timing's important and we don't think the timing's right now. We've just finishing a 12,000 square foot studios in Dubai Production City. We've, Congrats. That's right? exciting. Super exciting. It's very exciting. <laughs> and I like how you kind of just threw it into the ground. Like, oh, by the way, yeah, we're doing that too. But that's amazing news. Congratulations. It's, it's exciting. It's it's uh, stressful right now, to be honest, because you have to, because uh, of all the timing and everything around it, and I'm not brilliant at construction. But we've got really good partners, <laughs> yeah. uh, Motive and Consul and people like that. So, um, but yeah, look, it's interesting question around, I, I like you, interested in media and the business around it and, you know, definitely kind of you know would like this region and the way that it's kind of um you know making making its own path with startups then media should also make its own path in business narratives and things like that right so to to kind of switch gears a little bit and i want to address something that i'm going to be a bit blunt about i hope that's okay so as you can we're always focused on the culture and the cultural narrative, right? We say we're culture consultants, sort of trying to do our best to export from the Middle East to the world, and we're in the inside generation and data business. And a, from personal experience and being here for many years is that, you know, a lot of people come here from the West, but then they're, you know, to set homes, build lives, get a job, build businesses, whatever it may be, but then they're so far removed from what's actually happening and they don't really sort of interact with local cultures or really tap into it. But one of the things I love about you, you've actually made that quite a critical point to really get into it. I'd like to know your thoughts on that. I mean, one is, I guess, what inspired you and, and why, what makes you different is really, <laughs> is really kind of what I'm trying to get to. And how can we get more of that? Like, what do we need to do to get more people involved to really just invest to try and understand the people yeah well you know just uh, you know to credit you guys as well and i know akawi and reem as well and you do an amazing job on that and it's almost part of your purpose as well i, w I must interview you at some point <laughs> on <laughs> on uh on my dubai works podcast but that wasn't the cheeky plug it was more like <laughs> you can What's edit that? this but no we'll keep it, we'll keep it. <laughs> but we'll interview because it's amazing what you guys do but it, culture so i mean there's different ways of looking at that right like i think culture within the company, one of our values is ingenuity. And, you know, diversity is a big topic in, in any company culture, anywhere in the world. Uh, but I feel we almost automatically address that by letting uh, people, by letting people be themselves mm. and treating people with, with brains, right? I remember being in a company and the founder didn't think much of the receptionist, so he changed her name and let her watch YouTube videos all day. And I was just wow. like, right? And I was just like, okay, if I ever have a company, I'm never doing that, you know? And I love, like, I used to, I love seeing people grow. Like, it's, it's, you know, when people get a kick out of charity, I love, yeah. I love people seeing uh, career development. I, have, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And if you can contribute or allow them to do it, then that's the best kick I get out of it. So that's one part. So we always, and sometimes it's pushing people. Sometimes it's asking people to think. And we're an independent company, so we don't care about mistakes. It costs yep. us a bit sometimes, but we don't. Because you, you trust that people and you can see amazing development. Mm -hmm. That's one part of it. The other part of it is, you know, I see myself as an immigrant. I cringe a little when I hear the word expat. I don't yeah. like it. I don't like it Agreed. at all. You know, and, uh, you know, I think you get more out of what you put in. And 
people say, oh, but you can never live here, you can never... Well, well just, just have faith. Just bet on the UAE and go with it or bet on anywhere in the region and see what you can get out of it or see how you, if you can be happy here, you know? And so definitely with, like, you know, with Steve Jobs, I'm not, I shouldn't mention him, this, <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're people who achieve something in America, anywhere, in Gary Vaynerchuk, yeah. right, from right. Eastern Europe. Was he... Um, I meant I didn't want to compare myself to Steve Jobs, but it was very Gary Vaynerchuk who I will compare myself with. <laughs> no, it was it Gary Vaynerchuk? Uh, was he an expat who, yeah. you know, who went as a mercenary for a few years to go back home? No, no, he was an immigrant who made America his home, and that's a mindset shift that people need to make. Right, I completely agree. I think that that's exactly it. Right, when you when you come into a place like really making it a home, invest in it, invest in the people, and try to understand it and connect to the roots, right? And there's so much, it's such a rich culture and history out here that a lot of people get to miss out on that opportunity. And, you know, what I use, and I despise it when people are like, yeah, I lived in Dubai for X number of years, you know, there's no culture. I'm like, actually, because you didn't care. If you actually took the time to understand it, you might have seen it, you know? Um, so yeah, man, I, I really appreciate what you guys are doing with that. Um, okay, cool. And tabloid. Yeah. What's the definition of it in this modern era? That's a good question. Um, and I think it's a good question because only recently did I think of Love in Dubai as a tabloid. Seven days shut down and we acquired those assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for, for me in the modern era, I, th- I assume that people kind of have uh, ideas of tabloid in terms of uh, broadsheet and the size of newspaper. Um, tabloids uh, for me is populist media. It's, uh, say, the New York Post or the Sun or, or Love in Dubai to, to a degree. Uh, you know, what, would, does tabloid have negative connotations? Yes. If you, if you wanted to make a broadsheet newspaper in the digital era, you would hire better journalists and do a paywall, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like with, with tabloid or populist media, I feel like the paywall, like BuzzFeed and these ones, they don't do a paywall, so they don't do subscription because they don't put, they don't, so I think that that's where the difference is, you know? So, you know, if we wanted, when your, your last guest said, oh, are you competing with the national? And I was kind of like, well, broadsheet tabloid in, in respect that if I was running any of these companies, I would hire the best journalists in the region and put up the best paywall. I wouldn't give I won't name which one, but I wouldn't give away Lulu hypermarket vouchers, right? New York yeah. Times wouldn't do that, so why do that here? Yeah. Like, people say, oh, you can't have good journalists here. Yes, you can. A lot of them left last year because, and in the US, they didn't. They set up substacks. Now, that, that's different than people aren't entrepreneurs and whatever, you know, but, but like, you can. Like, you can write 8,000-word pieces hear about interesting things. Mm-hmm. I remember asking someone recently, where's the book about uh, the famous startups that exit here? And someone said to me, oh, you can't uh, do it because there's too much of a story. And I was kind of like, well, they do it in the US all the time. And then someone else said, oh, you can't because you'd have to write about that person. Well, just don't defame them and get on with it. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? So I, th- I feel the same way around. Uh, there was someone who owned a who ran a newspaper here and went to another market and came back and said, people will never do subscription here. Put value behind the paywall, write, have, trust that journalists are good at writing and, and put them there. And you will. I, I subscribe to Ahmed Al-Umran's uh, Riyadh Bureau 
Substack until he, he was in Scotland and he stopped to do his studies. But I, I happily pay for that. Yeah. It was well thought out. It wasn't supposed, it wasn't critical. Look, people can think things are critical in the age, you know, in the, you referenced the tabloid here in the, this day and age, you know, and when you were talking about uh, being blunt earlier, I thought you were going to say about instance sensitivities with mm-hmm. some of the love and device stuff. There is some of that, but actually, we don't do it. I'm by, glad you're going there because I was, yeah, you're I, gonna I was get coming. To that. <laughs> okay, ask your yeah. question. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, but, we're here. Yeah, but like I think I think um, you know we think about this all the time, and I think we want to be zeitgeisty. We don't want to wake up like say um, a publication who doesn't write about this stuff, like say another lifestyle publication, and in 40 years' time, a huge cultural shift has happened in this country and that you haven't documented, then where were you? Like, where were you? You're right. So, but but I, what I was trying to say was like, we're in a screenshot area. We're in mm-hmm. a WhatsApp screenshot area and a, and a sort of woke and, and a triggered social media area, right? And the social platforms have, you know, challenges with hate speech and with shutting off likes and comments and features that they've added because they know that this this place can be toxic. And some people say to us, hey, if you didn't post that, you get less hate. And we're kind of like, yeah, it's not really a popularity contest. I know some social media influencers who posted a video not related to anything during uh, Ramadan, during the uh, the end of Ramadan, during Eid, uh, while the Palestinian situation was happening in Sheikh Jarrah. Mm-hmm. And they, they saw negative comments they deleted their videos, although it was not related, and they went quiet for a week or two. Yeah. You know, we don't do that because we think we're media. We don't think we're a brand. We don't think we're a person. We don't think we're, we're selling sneakers. Like, yeah. We don't yeah. Th- we don't, if someone dies, Nike go quiet. The media doesn't go quiet. Yeah. So, so that's the point. And we get hate for We're it. here to report on the story, whether you're get, people are going to like it or not. We employ journalists. We yeah. don't employ copywriters. Mm-hmm. We don't have brand people writing. We have journalists. We don't have lawyers. We're not holding people to account. We're not here to, uh, you know, to pass judgment on any legal things. Journalists shed light on information that doesn't exist. And that's, right. that's what they do. Yeah. It's really interesting because the... The, the digital backlash and, you know, now with cancel culture, people are always trying to walk this very thin line and trying to figure out, well, can I talk about this? Can I not? And I think by being media, you you, you kind of answered that in a way where it's like, no, we, we have to report it, right? It might be insensitive. It might be a difficult time, but that's the current circumstance. But, you know, you have a story to share with the world. And I deeply appreciate that. I think that that's part of being true to your North Star, but also being true to being journalists and being media. So do you do you guys ever feel like you need to self-censor at any point? Uh, it's an interesting way of phrasing it. I think we've got, uh, we've got a media lens. So we, we're loving Dubai, so we're positive about here. Uh, we're also populist media. Yeah. Um, Loving is in the name. Yeah, yeah. right? It's, so I think that's, that's a self-censorship in terms of uh, you know, but it's also local news. So we mm-hmm. want to capture what's going on. And we sell censorship in terms of the media guidelines. There are many. We understand them in three macro kind of mega themes. And one is, um, you know, uh, Islam, leadership, and defamation in the sense of don't harm one's chance to earn a living. Mm. So don't negatively impact someone. And if you can understand those three things, then 
We don't need to sell sonship. Now, what happens is every different entity and every different person has different views. And people will say things like, oh, um, you know, I've been here a long time and uh, that thing felt like, it, that post felt like it was more not understood and not understanding the culture here. It felt it was a bit pushy. Um, and people will say that, but I think they say that and they don't understand that, that that it's not just here. That post can trigger people in Ireland, in the mm. US. It can trigger people in the same way. And they think that here is more sensitive. Every place is sensitive. Every place has trigger points and things like that. Um, you know, and then that's just in general today on many subjects, many subjects. But also what's happened, say, in places like Ireland, you know, and I'm not saying UAE is going to go through the same things that Ireland went through, because every culture is unique and constitutions are unique and media is different in different parts of the world. But, you know, people in Ireland and England will remember when chat shows talked about the first kiss on TV. I watch all the Arabic Ramadan shows, much as I can, on these great translation <laughs> sites, uh, like uh, websites like our streaming apps. But, but um, I still don't see kisses online on TV. Right. And I know there will be. And not that I'm rooting for it, but I know that this is what happens with media. And then there's the moment when there's other things that happen, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and that, but but also uh, graphic content like that, or you know, is offensive to Islam. So we so we will never do it. Mm -hmm. We'll never go far enough. However, but you'll document when things happen. When it does. When occur. it's except when when the degree shifts a little, because it's also it's in the eye of the beholder as well. Like different people feel. You know, there's a generation thing as well, right? Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think that the way we look at how what we do with Dukan and uh, Dukan show specifically, I think, out of our other shows in the network, is that we're documenting specific story at a specific time. And, you know, a few years from now, when you look back, like that's what Richard said on back then, yeah. right? And I always think that's great. And I feel like you guys are doing the same. If somebody goes through any of your uh, any of your media accounts right now you you can see shifts and you can see the changes right that has been documented over time and i think that's wonderful like it just shows and especially being in this part of the world things are changing and moving so fast and it's amazing like i always find that very very exciting so yeah. to shift gears a little bit and get a bit more personal what are you afraid of not a whole lot like i always try to be positive and always try to say that in any situation, you know, we're lucky to be alive. I don't have, uh, and I try and make the most of it. Like I don't, I don't have this legacy thing. There's 7 billion people in the world. Like we're all going to be dead. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. I, I don't think that sort of thing, but you know, like I just, I don't want to be kind of wrong done by or misunderstood. I don't like that. I wouldn't like to be sort of, you know, I think that's the, that's tragic, right? When people are accused of things um, and, you know, things like that, when it's just a misunderstanding. Mm. So, um, you know, to preempt that, you just, you know, you work in communication, you work in emotional intelligence, work on all those sort of things. Um, but there, you know, there could be a situation where I feel like I'm in a situation from my doing or uh, a circumstantial, that's nothing to, that I could have controlled. But then you would hope, I would hope that I would be able to uh, make the most out of that situation. All right, good. What are you most optimistic about, you know, I mean, 2022 moving forward, what are you optimistic and really excited about? I think, um, you know, personally, like, 
I, I think I'm 38, right? And I think what I've figured out in the last few years, and it's coincided with Augustus, is just what makes me happy. Like, you know, just the, the sport that I do, the learning that I do. I never fully embraced learning fully, fully. And thankfully, thankfully, thanks for Audible and things like that. I just love, I love <laughs> consuming books when I cycle and run and stuff. So, uh, so that's what I'm most optimistic about, that I've figured myself out and I've figured out that if I can continue this, I'll be happy. If, I, if I'm 38, 48, 58, and I keep doing this year after year, you know, consuming books, building a team, working in a dynamic environment, working in the Middle East, doing sport, like, that's enough. Man, that is amazing. And so, personally, about myself, just because you, you've mentioned it, <laughs> by the time this episode is live, I'm, I'm probably knee-deep in it, I hope. So I'm about to get started into road cycling. Okay. And I've gone down to, I don't mind mentioning their name, to Wolfies. Okay. For the first time to get those cycling tights. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm working with this amazing group of people and we're, I'm documenting this whole journey. So I've, I've, I've done spin classes in a studio, but I've never gone cycling in that sense. I mean, my God, these guys are hooking it, hooking it up with like a carbon fiber bike and kind of getting into this whole world. And they're like, oh, we have to do it right. You got to, you know, you got to get the right tights and get the right gear. I uh -oh. mean, <laughs> dude, <laughs> it never stops. on one end, I get it. It's a, it's a bit of an expensive sport and there's like this aerodynamic and the science to it as well. And I've been consuming YouTube videos for beginners about it for quite a while. And I remember I, I looked at your stuff as well. I'm like, all right, what's Richard doing? <laughs> because, and it's interesting, I think, being in that shop was probably my most uncomfortable, insecure space ever. Because <laughs> I've never worn anything that tight. Like I wear, <laughs> I wear combat tights under my shorts when I play, when I go to the gym or anything yeah. like that. But you know, now no, you're not wearing anything on top. Like yeah. that—that's what you need yeah, to get yeah. on those bikes. And I mean, shout out to you because I—it's one of those things where I think. It's going to be so exciting to see and so strange because I'm sharing my insecurities and vulnerabilities publicly when these things start to, when it, yeah. when it starts to release, when we start to release the videos later. And it's just so interesting. I think as a sport, it looks like a lot of fun. I love cycling generally, always had bikes, but this, like, this is a new arena. Yeah. You know? Yeah, oh. <laughs> you're doing it at a good time. And it's first of all, it's great to take on something new like that. Um, you could get into it, you could get hooked on it. If not, at least you tried a different sport. Uh, yeah. Dubai is obviously really good for cycling. There's tracks everywhere and they're building more. Mm -hmm. And there's loads of bike shops around the place, uh, some more expensive than those. And, and, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but like, no, but, uh, you know, cycling... You can be daunted, not just because of the gear, but you can be daunted about how much expertise do you need. At the end of the day, you're pedaling. Like at the end of the day, it can be quite basic. You can bring it back to basics. But I think from a cardiovascular point of view, from a fitness point of view, I think that's where you'll see the interest. And if people take up swimming and they can't, they're out of breath after 25 meters, three months later, they can comfortably swim 500 meters without right. stopping. And it's all, you know, it's all about conditioning. It's all... It's fitness is, right? It's about, I'm not an expert, but it's about blood flow 
and pumping heart rate yeah. and, and things like that. So, which is generally the case with every sport. But but so, what what advice do you have for me? Because I'm about to jump into the deep end with this one. I think, well, I think, I think you know, I think make a good documentary if that's a goal. Yeah, <laughs> make oh, good content. But to. but I think you know when I came to Dubai first, uh, I used to have a road bike in a fixie in London. You know, living in Shoreditch, doing all that stuff. But then I bought a road bike after that, and I joined the group and we cycled to the coast. I came here with that road bike, and I went out with Wolfie's. Uh, you know, on my birthday, I remember twenty July twenty twelve, and uh, I was completely out of out of not ready for it you know and it was like 80 kilometers hot in the morning oh, 27th wow. of july like it was <laughs> and, and i got and i got dropped and people will know what it's like being dropped from a group and luckily mm-hmm. there was a car behind that caught up but like that was dangerous for me because it was still on the roads it wasn't in al Qudra. but i think the cycle safe dubai those guys they grouped together on a Saturday morning and then, mm-hmm. fr- well, whatever the weekends are now, but their second day is a coffee run to Baba Shams. You know, you can have a little snack there on the way back. It's a 50K, 20. And they like they pick your distance. So you can go 65 kilometers at 28 or 26 kilometers an hour, which is a, almost an entry zone, but you'd want to do a few build up for that. Okay. And then they would go up to typically 85 kilometers, 105 kilometers, and people can ride at 35 kilometers average or 40 or 41 or whatever. All right. Cool. But yeah, um, go with a group because a group teaches you cycle etiquette. It mm. teaches you a little bit how to draft and the power of drafting in a group, um, yeah. which is di- and not listening to headphones and not being an aero, not having a TT bike, which is what I do now. Mm. But I, I found, and it's quite social as well. Yeah, that's what I've noticed from what I'm seeing online. Like it is, it's such a group dynamic, even though you feel like it's an individual sport because it's you and your bike, but there is a, a beautiful community around it and a very supportive one, which I'm excited to get into getting well that's not yeah, how you yeah, get yeah. on speaking of new weekends are you guys switching around yeah monday to fridays yeah 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 is yeah that, that <laughs> half day fridays are like full no on. no uh no like 40 hours the labor law hasn't changed 48 hours, 48 yeah. hours. we do 40 hours nine to six we it's productivity super important mm-hmm. Um, in agencies, people end up working late. Well, love in Dubai, we don't. Like, we have shift Good work. for you. <laughs> you know? I should have had my air horn set up on this. I completely <laughs> forgot them. But yes, thank you. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I think I'm lucky that it's happened that way. Like, our clients aren't... When the clients come to us, it's not necessarily the first time. So there's an agency in the middle. So some clients are demanding on this weekend, but we designed for that. We put people on at the weekend to do it you know, 14, 16 hour a day live news. Mm -hmm. So we do it that way. And we have people in the evening. So I don't like, you know, November is a busy month. There's a lot of weekend events, but I think that balances out, Um, you know, but generally people leave at at six and they're, and they're kind of done. Like they're not that busy, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're not super, but some of the work, hopefully they enjoy it. Hopefully they like going to um, cool events and things like that, and they get tickets, and you know, so it's that type yeah. of perks they kind of like. But um, yeah, the work you we can backstage access, guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as you do, do too. And, and I think young people like that as well. But also, you know, the work balance is important. I, I think like it, someone Jeff Bezos used harmony, and I, I think. The, not, the Monday to Friday is just smart. Like, it's not just uh, to be... People think, oh, it's like home if you're a, a Western immigrant or whatever from the West. Uh, so, But it's actually not. Like, it's actually standard globally. Like, Russia's weekend is, is Saturday, Sunday. China's weekend is Saturday, Sunday. It's just more standardized. I think yeah. 
I, I love that this city is commercially savvy and on point, and I think the financial markets moving is the key thing here. Yeah. Um, the half-day thing, fine. I'm not too into many of these woke trends around... Um, the four-day no, work week. I'm not into <laughs> like, it. Like yeah. Productivity is important. Yeah. And I do think that discipline and routine is important. And I think you need those hours. If you were an athlete, you'd put in those hours. So if you're a professional Definitely. person, put in those hours. Yeah. You, and I also, you know, that's my view on the work from home stuff as well. Um, a little bit flexible. We never say people not work from home, but but we want people to work together. You know, football teams, players don't train in their back garden and show up on Saturday. Right. If they would, the team wouldn't like them. <laughs> you know? No, I completely agree. I think because we've always deployed that, interestingly enough, like granted, yes, you know, because clients work was, you know, Sunday to Thursday, nine to six. So the team's used to that. But we always made it a point to make sure you set your boundaries, make sure you're being a team player, you know? We're completely flexible. Even before COVID, we never had, oh, you have to be in the office, you know, if you need to work from home or you got stuff to handle, you know, do you just make sure the team is aware, make sure, you know, your department knows and make sure things are taken care of. Just being a responsible adult, you know, caring for your team the same way they'll take care of you, right? And you do that. And as I think you said the right word, it's just harmony. Mm. You guys working in harmony, the ship runs very smoothly and we're all headed in the right direction in a very efficient manner. So totally understand that. And I think that's really amazing, my guy. Thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you. I'm so happy we finally did this. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is... You're good at it, obviously. Thank you for kicking it with us today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's episode as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast at to stay up to date with all our conversations. Also, if you don't mind, hit us with the five-star rating, leave a comment, let us know how you feel about the show. That way, it could also help others find the show. And be sure to share with your friends and family, whoever you think can benefit from it. You can holler at us on all social media platforms at The Can Show. We'd love to hear from you. Or you could drop us an email to hello at thecanmedia.com. Salam.